The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. But faith in what or who? Oprah says she has faith, but faith in human nature is not biblical faith, nor is faith in faith. Some people have faith in medical science. I'm not against medical science. Doctors are heroic. And if my child is ill, I want the best medical care available today. But even medical science has its limitations. Biblical faith has an object. The question is always faith in what or who. The faith that gets God's attention, pleases Him, and ultimately saves us from the penalty of sin is the kind of faith that always has Jesus as its object. I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. Are you facing a crisis? If so, today's message from Dr. Ron Jones might be just the thing you need to hear. Hello and welcome to this Monday edition of Something Good. I'm Brian Davis, thanks for stopping by. God's Word has a lot to say about the right way to handle adversity. Today we'll meet a man who faced perhaps the biggest crisis of his life. His response is a great reminder for all of us. And it comes your way next as Ron continues his teaching series, Believe the Miracles of Jesus. As always, you can visit somethinggoodradio.org anytime to listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And now from John chapter four, here's Ron with today's message, The Long Distance Miracle. Well, it goes without saying, but I'm gonna say it anyway, that God puts a high, high priority on faith, on faith, on believing. And we know this, from many places in the scripture, not the least of which is Hebrews chapter 11 and verse six, which says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. He who draws near to him must believe that he exists, there's our word, believe, must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who seek after him. Uh, God puts a high priority on faith, but what is faith? Well, if you back up a little bit in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11 to verse 1, it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Uh, I always like to say that biblical faith is, is not a blind leap into the dark unknown. No, it's not. But it does require that we believe certain things that we cannot see with the naked eye. And the writer of Hebrews uses words like assurance and conviction, a settled conviction in our heart that we believe, yes, believe things that we cannot even see with our own eyes, like we believe that God exists. It's that kind of biblical faith that gets God's attention. Now, we're in this series of messages from the Gospel of John. We've titled it Believe because, well, in John's Gospel, he tells us at the end of his Gospel, chapter 20 and verses 30 and 31, that he wrote the Gospel, and particularly that he, he mentioned eight sign miracles in there so that we might believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The word believe in the Greek language, pastuo, it appears more than 100 times in the Gospel of John. If you're a good Bible student, you know, one of the things you want to pay attention to are words that are repeated in a, in a verse, in a chapter, in a book. And it's clear from the repetition of the word believe that, that this is a major theme in John's Gospel. And it kind of bookends the Gospel 
We, we went there last time to the end of the book and discovered the purpose for which he wrote this book and the purpose for which he gave us these eight sign miracles, eight of the 37 miracles that are recorded in the gospel, all four of the gospels. And he did that so that they might point us to Jesus and believe in him. It bookends this, uh, the, the, the word believe bookends the gospel in this way. We can go back to the beginning of the gospel in chapter 1 and verse 12, and it tells us, but as many as received Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Do you believe in the name of Jesus today? I hope you do. Because according to John chapter 1 and verse 12, receiving is believing, and believing in the name of Jesus makes us children of God. You say, wait a minute, Pastor, we're all children of God, aren't we? Well, generally speaking and by creation, yes, we're all created in the image of God. But John tells us you become a child of God. You're born into his family when you receive Jesus. And what is receiving? Receiving is believing and believing, believing in the name of Jesus makes us children of God in a relationship with him in a family kind of way. That brings us back to John chapter 4 and to our study of the miracles of Jesus. And I've titled this one, The Long Distance Miracle. And it's about a particular man, a father we will say. He's more than just a father, and we'll unpack that in a moment, but a father who is in anguish. A father whose faith, we might say, is in crisis. The Bible tells us in verse 46 that Jesus came again to Cana in Galilee where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. A little bit later, he says, for his son was at the point of death. This man is facing a crisis. He's facing a crisis unlike he has ever experienced before. His son is ill. His son is about to die. You ever faced a crisis like that? Maybe it's a medical crisis. Maybe it's a financial crisis in your life, in your family. Maybe your marriage is in crisis, and you're at the end of your resources not knowing what to do. I think every one of us can identify with some kind of crisis we've, we've faced in life, whether six months ago or six years ago or six months from now. It's probably true that you're either going through a crisis, you have gone through a crisis, or a crisis is right around the corner from you. And what do you do when your faith is in a crisis? What do you do when you're in a crisis? Well, this, this, this father, this nobleman, this official, as we'll learn about him, helps us with some simple things here. Just three th simple things that I want to share with you this morning that you do when you're facing a crisis and when your faith is in crisis, the first thing you do is you humbly go to Jesus. I know that sounds simple, and you're saying, come on, Pastor, I got up for, for church this morning for more than that, but let, let's see how this unfolds. The Bible says this man was an official. Uh, the King James tells us he was a nobleman. He was part of Herod Antipas' court. Herod Antipas was the, uh, the governor, we might say, of the Galilean region. And this nobleman, this official, was, was part of the government. He was a high-ranking official, we might say. And he worked in the government. 
And the Bible tells us that he was about 20 miles away in the city of Capernaum because Jesus had come again to Cana in Galilee where he turned the water into wine. And Cana was about 20 miles away from Capernaum. Now, if you back up a little bit in the story and in the fourth chapter, you learn that uh, Jesus had come into the area and he had gone to Nazareth, his hometown, and he was rejected in Nazareth. And out of that experience came that famous saying that a prophet is not without honor in his own hometown. And the Bible says Jesus couldn't perform many miracles in Nazareth because, well, they just, they just didn't believe in him. Maybe they were too familiar with him. Maybe they looked at him and said, isn't this the Jesus that we played stickball with on the streets of Nazareth? Isn't this Joseph's son, the carpenter? Who does he think he is, you know, doing this Messiah kind of stuff? But they couldn't perform any miracles there. But in Cana of Galilee, he turned the water into wine. And while Nazareth didn't welcome him, Cana welcomed him like he was a hometown hero. And so we find in verse 46 that he returns to Cana in Galilee, and the Galileans welcome him. And while they're doing that, 20 miles away in the city of Capernaum, which later becomes the headquarters of Jesus' ministry, because that's where Peter and Peter's mother-in-law lived, uh, in Capernaum there was a nobleman, an official, a high-ranking, important man of the government facing a crisis. His son was ill. His son was at the point of death. And he makes the long journey, 20 miles for Capernaum to Canaan. Now, 20 miles isn't much to you and me. You may live in an area where it takes you 20 miles to find a grocery store or a Walmart. I mean, we drive 20 miles just here and there, sometimes 200 miles a day. But back then, this, this was an arduous journey. He might have walked he might have rode a horse, but 20 miles is a long, long journey back then. And I want you to get inside a little bit this man's heart, the anguish that his father is experiencing. I mean, he's at the end of his resources. Let's just say he's tried everything, and now he hears that, that Jesus is in Cana, and he makes the journey from Capernaum to Cana, a long, painful, anguishing journey, because his son is at the point of death. And I say he humbly goes to Jesus because, let's face it, I mean, Jesus had the reputation of just being an itinerant Jewish preacher from, of all places, Nazareth. And can anything good come from Nazareth? But this high-ranking, important government official makes the journey to go to Jesus? I mean, he's the kind of guy that says, no, you come to me. I mean, he, he could have done that. I mean, this is a guy who had all kinds of access to Herod Antipas and all kinds of government programs and resources. He was the kind of guy that was used to setting appointments and having people come summon him. But no, there's a crisis in his life, and he humbles himself to travel to where this itinerant Jewish rabbi named Jesus is, because maybe, just maybe, he can help my son. You know, I meet a lot of people from time to time as a pastor who tell me, you know, maybe they're in a crisis or maybe they're going through a hard time and they say, you know, but pastor, I have faith. I have faith. And my first question is, well, that's great. You know, faith in what? Uh, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's a good thing to have faith. But Faith in what? And I dig a little bit because a lot of people, when they say, I have faith, what they're really saying is they have faith in faith. 
or they have faith in themselves. I mean, Oprah says she has faith, but faith in human nature is not biblical faith. Do you have faith in medical science? If any member of my family were ill, I'd want to get the best medical attention money could buy anywhere on this planet. But even medical science has its limitations, and doctors don't know everything. Up next, the second half of Dr. Ron Jones' message, The Long Distance Miracle. If you're a first-time listener to Something Good Radio, we'd like to send you a free chapter of Ron's most popular book, Mysteries of the Afterlife. Just consider it our way of saying thanks for being part of our radio listening family. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org anytime and click the new listener button. And if you want to hear more of our program on demand, remember, every Something Good Radio message is archived at our website, somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, share your prayer request with us using the How Can We Pray For You button so our ministry team can join you in prayer. Life's challenges can be handled in all sorts of ways. You can take flight, you can stay and fight, or you can ask Jesus for his help. For more on how to handle life's challenges God's way, let's join Ron for the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, The Long Distance Miracle. This nobleman was a government official, a high-ranking official, an important guy. He had access to all kinds of government programs. He might have even, you know, co-wrote the legislation on some of the programs that he was administering. He even had access to Herod Antipas. But no government program could help his son, who was at the point of death. So when you say you have faith, I mean, that's... That's great, but, but biblical faith always has an object, and the object is the person of Jesus Christ. Everybody whom God, everyone who has faith that God recognizes as saving faith comes humbly to Jesus. So it's not enough just to say, I have faith. Faith in faith, faith in myself, faith in human nature, faith in medical science, faith in the government, faith in whatever. No, it's faith in Jesus. And this man comes, and quite frankly, I'm a little bit surprised at Jesus' response here. It sounds a little harsh. In verse 48, so Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Now, that's not what I would expect of the Savior. That's not what I would expect of, of Jesus, who probably gathered that this man had just made a long journey from Capernaum to Cana. Uh, maybe he would have recognized some anguish in the man's face and in the man's heart. I mean, couldn't he have given him a little bit of a break? I mean, the guy's son is ill. And he looks at him and he kind of chides him a little bit. He challenges the sincerity of his faith. And he says, unless you see signs and wonders, you won't believe. Now, the word you appears twice here. Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And it's not evident in the English language, but in the Greek language, the you is in the plural. And so it appears Jesus has a larger group of people in mind as he's saying these words to the official. It's as though he's saying, I, I know your kind of people. You're one of those guys that always wants me to see me do something, uh, some, some, something spectacular, some uh, magical sign and wonder, and you won't believe until you see it. I've met people like you. He challenges his faith that way. Because it's true, for a lot of people... 
Uh, they're, they're signs and wonders seekers. They're the kind of people that will believe it when they see it. And we even have those kinds of people in our day and age. Ray Stedman was a well-known pastor from a previous generation, and he hits the nail on the head when he says of people today, tens of thousands of people haunt the meetings of so-called faith healers because they want to see whether these men and women can actually achieve the transformation of a cripple or open the eyes of the blind. He says those kinds of people are legitimate prey for religious racketeers. And he's right. Now, Jesus was no religious racketeer, but Jesus understood that a person's faith, and hear me on this, a person's faith that is dependent on signs and wonders is a shallow faith. It's a shallow faith, about an inch deep and not even a half mile wide. And so he challenges this man. He says, I, I know people like you. You just want me to perform some sign and some wonder, but even if I do, you won't believe because you're a I'll believe it when I see it kind of guy. And biblical faith is, I believe it, and then I see it. Then God opens up my blind eyes to see things I've never seen before. But I love the way the man responds here. Uh, he goes on to say, say in verse 49, the official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. In the original language, it's in the present tense. Your son lives, okay? Uh, this nobleman is undeterred by the challenge. He just sort of skates right by it, and there's such a desperation in his heart. He says, no, you don't understand. My son is about to die, and I need your help. He's not here to have a theological conversation. And based on Jesus' response here, the nobleman passed the test. He wasn't just looking at Jesus as a religious racketeer who do many signs and wonders. No, this guy's, this guy's need was genuine. And he had made the long journey from Capernaum to Canaan to see if Jesus would help him. So the first thing you do when your faith is in crisis, you, you humbly go to Jesus. Every sinner who comes to the cross of Christ comes as a humble sinner. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit for they shall see the kingdom of God. You come to the cross of Christ recognizing your spiritual bankruptcy, your poverty, that you've come to the end of your resources, and you come humbly. Whether you're a, a poor garbage man or you're an important government official, the ground is level at the foot of the cross, and everybody comes the same way. Second thing you do is you take Jesus at His sovereign word. When you're facing a crisis, when your faith is in crisis, it's time to, to trust His word, to take Him at His sovereign word. Because we go on in verse 50, and it says, the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. Let me ask you a question. Is your faith strong enough to take Jesus at His sovereign word, that you believe what He says, that it's not dependent upon some spectacular sign, some miracle, some wonder, but it's simple enough and it's strong enough to take Him at His word. I remember growing up in the church, I used to hear people say from time to time, 
Yeah, if God said it, I believe it, and that's good enough for me. You ever heard that before? And it comes across to some people as naive. You know, those uh, uneducated Bible thumpers, they just, you know, if God said it, I believe it, and that's good enough for me. I don't need to think. You know, that's the way some people interpret that. Or it's the expression of a settled conviction of the heart. Remember, faith is the assurance of things not seen. The conviction, the conviction of things you know to be true about God. And that expression can mean an expression of the settled conviction of a heart that is at peace with God and trusts His Word. And this is where that nobleman is. He, he has a choice to make here. Jesus said to him, your, your, your son lives. But see, that wasn't the plan. That wasn't what the nobleman had in mind. He traveled from Capernaum all the way to Cana of Galilee with the idea that he was going to persuade Jesus to make the long journey back to Capernaum and be there in the physical presence of his son and touch his son and heal him. If you're facing a crisis today, if your world seems to be crumbling all around you, the best thing you can do is to humbly go to Jesus. Ask for His help and take Him at His word. We'll pick it up right here tomorrow when Ron shares the final step to handling life's challenges God's way. Hello friend, I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. If you've been with us for a while, if you're a regular listener and God is using this broadcast in your life, I want to speak directly to you. When you first tuned in or streamed something good, did you know that other people paid to air that program? We call them our ministry partners. They have people just like you in mind when they donate monthly to something good, which is a 100% listener-supported ministry. Now that you're a regular listener, will you do the same? Will you help us share something good with someone else? We created the 828 Club for people who choose to partner with this ministry through prayer and monthly financial support. It's based on Romans 828, which in the message says, every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider joining the 828 Club today by giving $28 or more per month to share something good with someone else. And when you do, we'll send you some resources to help you grow in your relationship with God. It's our way of saying thanks for your partnership in this gospel ministry. So please join the 828 Club today. Here's Brian with all the details. You know, partnership is essential in order to carry out the will of God for our lives. David had Jonathan. The Apostle Paul had Silas and Barnabas. Even Jesus had the help of his disciples. Today, with your help, Something Good Radio will continue to reach people with the gospel through these radio and internet broadcasts. When you partner with us, we'll send a few welcome gifts your way, including our monthly special offers, plus a free subscription to Something Good devotional magazine. To join the 828 Club today, please visit somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org or call 757-276-1099. 
If you can't become a partner but can make a donation to Something Good Radio today, we'd love for you to have the complete audio download of the series that you're hearing now, Believe the Miracles of Jesus. That's Believe the Miracles of Jesus, our gift to you by request for your gift to Something Good Radio. Make a donation online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. You can also call our offices at 757 276 1099. Your faith is in crisis. Your faith is facing a crisis today. Humbly go to Jesus. Uh, sometimes it takes a crisis to humble us enough to go to Jesus, doesn't it? Are you at the end of your resources today? Fact of the matter is, you've had faith in faith. You've had faith in human nature. You've had faith in all yourself, all of your degrees, all of your experiences, maybe faith in medical science, maybe faith in government, maybe faith in everything but faith in Jesus. And sometimes it's the crisis that God allows into our life that helps aim our faith in the right person, the person of Jesus. That's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, The Long Distance Miracle. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.